1: to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio, and I've got, well, first of all, I've got snow, and I'm going to complain about that. I'm also going to give you some tips for your dogs for the snow. Yes, deep breath, Deb, because <laughs> I love the snow, but oh man, there is such thing as too much snow, and that's what we've got here in the Vancouver area right now. And on gate one, I was whistling and singing and happy, shoveling it out. But by the sixth gate on the first day, I was no longer so happy. So we're going to talk about snow. And I do have snow dogs galore. Loving it. All the guests at the kennel give it the four paws up. They think it's great, except two. So I'll talk about that too. But today we have a special guest, Brenda Bell. And she's back to talk to us about dog grooming. We had her on the show previously talking about cat grooming. But, you know, now it's time to talk about the dogs. Dogs have been domesticated for about 14,000 years. Cats, only 7,000. So you'd think dogs would behave a lot better at the groomer. Let's find out. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Brenda. So what do you think? Are dogs better behaved at the groomer? uh, For me, they are than cats.
2: It's hard to say. It's Yeah, I'd say so, probably. Well, they listen a little better.
1: (laughs) Right. Okay. And so... I asked you this about cats. We talked about Persians, how they can be the worst and the best to groom. What about dogs? Are there certain breeds that are just, uh-oh, I've got one of those today? Well, there's,
2: for one, myself and a lot of other groomers won't groom a chow. Oh, because of the tangles or because of the, the personality? The tangles, the person, combination of their coat. Their coat is such a dense coat that to brush it out is pretty intense for them and which they don't exactly have the most tolerant personalities.
1: (laughs) Well, for those listening, Chow's really don't like strangers. They bond to a couple of people. And so the groomer is like enemy. It's not, they don't, they don't love you. Like a golden retriever loves you when they Mm -hmm. come for their water cuddle, which is what the golden retriever thinks a groom is all about, right? Being touched and washed. And, but, uh, yeah, but the chow's thinking this is going to hurt, and then it does,
2: right? Yeah, it does, and it would for them, for sure. And like you say, they're they're a one-person dog, so new people to them is, is really hard for them. Unless you can start working on a chow puppy at a young age so that it gets to learn to trust you, to start an adult chow is so hard.
1: And then you retire, quit, or move, and the people are hooked because he doesn't know the new groomer. Exactly. Oh, I've had this with cars. I've had the situation where these people, it's more than once, but I'll tell you about one customer. They had an Irish wolfhound and they hired me to train him to get into their car. He just wouldn't. So I trained him to get into the car. Then four years later, they called me back because they got a new car. They went went and got the same make and the same model and everything thinking it'll be no problem for the dog, but it was a different car. He wouldn't get in, had to train him all over again so funny but (laughs) (laughs) kind of like that you know
2: yeah yeah. doesn't smell the same.
1: no and then they realized they could have got any car like they weren't so restricted as what they thought because (laughs) he wasn't gonna like it anyway they'd have to retrain him anyway so why not get the car you want exactly but that guy when he'd be driving in my car my van and he'd have his head hanging out the window People would act like I had a dinosaur in the back of my car. His head was big like a horse. And people waiting for the bus or when we'd stop at a red light and they'd see this guy, they'd just be so shocked. (laughs) So funny. Do you know what? Okay, so since we're talking about heads and cars and stuff like that, I want to talk about this new Florida bill. And it's because a lot of my listeners are in Florida, and it could happen in your state or your where you live too. This could be the start of a trend. So they wanted to make things better for animals on the road in transport, which is a good idea. And they made a new rule, this Bill 932. It's a Florida bill about to get passed. It's for animal welfare. It's a Senate bill. And they made this one rule as part of it that's in a pickup truck, a dog can't be just open. It has to be in a secured crate. Okay, I'm all for that. And then, you know, if you break the rules, it's a traffic violation. It's not a criminal code violation, but it's expensive. So you will stop and you'll be kinder to your pet. Okay. And if your dog's in the car, you're not allowed to have it in your lap. Okay. Again, I agree. Even though I can see why it's tempting to have your little teacup poodle or your minpin or whatever in your lap. It's not the safest. Okay. But then there's this part of the bill that I don't like, which is, no part of the dog's body at any time can be outside of the car. Now, that oh, wow. to me, yeah, because what if your air conditioning's broken, or what if you don't have air conditioning, or what if the climate's such that you want the window open and you want your dog to hang his head out, and why not? I, right. I just that's a bit of a tricky one for me. I don't like the idea of I think you're going to have a lot of dogs that'd be carsick and uncomfortable. And it's not necessarily the best for the dog. So I just, Florida listeners, if you've got a dog who likes to hang his head out the window, you might want to be paying attention to this and see what you can do about changing the wording of that because it doesn't seem good to me. What do you think? Yeah, dogs need to hang their heads out. I know some people say it's bad for their eyes. It can cause allergy problems. But in general, most dogs tolerate it well and are much better passengers if the windows open a crack. So they can get a sniff of everything they're passing by. All right. So that was a heads up for Florida. I'm going to give a heads up for my area, which is right now covered in snow. Yeah. Okay. So you think winter, right? It's brutal. But the bears, I've been told by my customers, the bears are out already. The ba- It was really warm <laughs> and the bears came out and now it's snowing. So now they're going to be hungry and grumpy. So be really loud if you're walking in the trails. Make sure your dog is close to you and not going to run to the bear, aggravate the bear, and then run back to you. Make sure that's not happening, and uh, and secure all your food and your garbage because they're going to be awake and cold and irritated and hungry. Alright, so we're going to go to break and come back and talk more about dog grooming. Specifically, what can you do to make it less stressful for
0: your dog? Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Hello! We're back on Animal Party on Pet Life Radio, and we are talking about dog grooming. Does your dog get stressed out? Does he have to be sedated to have his nails clipped? This is unreasonable. It should be easy. So what can we do for our pets, Brenda? What can we do for our dogs to make it easy for you and easy for them? I always have told
2: people over the years, start when they're young. Don't carry them in and feel sorry for them because dogs pick up on that energy. A lot of people will pick them up and hold them and go, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And that to the dog is very terrifying. So you've already set them in that mindset that something horrible is going to happen. the best is to make them feel confident when they walk through the door and so get them walking in be all excited here we go here and make it all positive lots of treats start them when they're young once that a dog is already like that it's really hard to get them out of that it's a lot of positive reinforcement i always recommend people bring them in several times without being groomed just to come in and say hello and get a treat and get a pat on the head and get walk around the shop just to say hi, just to get them used to the surroundings and then slowly start working your way up.
1: What about touching or getting used to things at home like clippers or scissors? Absolutely. Yeah. The more
2: often you do things at home with them, the more touching you have, the more brushing. Brushing is huge. It's not only just something that, that prevents mats. It also helps bonding with the dog, but you have to start slow. People usually wait till it's too late and the dog's already matted. Once you start doing that, then it's not fun for them and they don't want to sit there. So start slow and just do little light stuff when it doesn't need to be done. Get them used to it. get positive, positive, positive toenails, play with the toenails, touch the toenails with with nail clippers if and just get them used to the sensation of the touching it. Lots of touching of the toenails. And people have this thing where they feel bad for them. If a dog doesn't want you to hold it, they'll pull their foot away. But they can't do that when they're getting their nails trimmed. So, what I always tell people is just don't let go. Don't pull, but don't let go. Just wait till they're calm and then let go. Because then you're teaching them that it's okay that somebody holds your foot. It's not going to hurt you if you're calm, you get let go. So, it's a real positive thing. People, let go or stop at the
1: wrong time instead of ending it on a positive note. Oh, that's all good advice. Very good advice. And um I think your your statement about your mood is really interesting. When when I was young, my parents had standard poodles and my mother loved the way they looked when they came back from the groomers just loved it and my dad really didn't like the way they looked when they came back from the groomers right he thought they looked ridiculous and what happened to you buddy oh no look what they did to you that's what my dad would say and the and the dog would like crouch in the corner and look forlorn and sad And then my mom would walk in the room and say, aren't you handsome? And he'd stand up and he'd start strutting around like he thought he was just so beautiful. It's all about what we put into it, right? The dog doesn't care one way or the other. He doesn't look at the mirror.
2: (laughs) Many people come in where their dog is quite matted and they've had to have the dog shaved. Which is not something I enjoy doing. And 90% of groomers don't like doing that. They want to make the dog look as cute as possible. And by shaving a dog, it's not always the best look. But you do react yeah. by- <laughs> yeah. when they go home that makes them feel horrible. So people go, He's always so terrible. He feels so scared when he's done. And he just doesn't like the way he looks. He hides for days. It's because people go home and they go, Oh, you look so bad. What happened? Why do you? Oh, oh, oh. And they have that, that, negative energy around what they yeah. look like it's not that the dog cares they don't care what they look like it's the people around them they're thinking they've done something wrong right so
1: In fact, the dog probably because when he comes in matted like that, he's miserable. It hurts. Oh, yeah. So if the people weren't projecting all this negativity, he'd actually be in a great mood because all All of a sudden he can move his arms all the way, he can move his legs all the way, he can turn his neck and his ears don't hurt, and everything's good. His nails aren't tugging. You know what it's like to have one ingrown toenail. Imagine having a whole set of them, or times four, you know, or times twenty or whatever. Like it's just too much. And then they come out, and yeah the first day or two okay their ears are sore and their skin's extra sensitive because they were used to this thick protection and now they got nothing but i mean you can give them a coat if it's winter or cover them if it's summer give them shade so they don't burn if they've just been shaped and make them comfortable and then just tell them how beautiful they are you'd be surprised at the mood change It's amazing. It really is. It truly is. Just
2: positive talk and positive energy with an animal goes so far.
1: All right, everybody. We're going to go to a second break. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about snow. And not all dogs like it, but most do. All right. Stay tuned on Animal Party Pet Life Radio.
0: Take a bite out
1: of your competition.
0: Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows.
1: You're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio, and I've got Brenda Bell on the phone. And she's a groomer who specializes in cats nowadays, but had a long career with dogs. So we're talking about dogs and the groomer mostly. And one thing I I can say about the snow is those dogs like poodles and bichons if they have a long <laughs> curly coat, oh, you're laughing already, the snow turns into little balls all over their bodies until they can't move. And I actually have to pick up the Bichons because they love to play in the snow. And they get sort of rounder and rounder and rounder until all you could see is their little face poking out of this snowball that's encompassing yeah. them. I pick <laughs> them up and I put them inside and I just let them melt. And then when they melt, they want to go out again. But it's it's pretty funny. Right now, we have two dogs at the kennel who are not impressed with snow. Kiko, who's an older, little, tiny mutt dog, black and white. She comes with a standard poodle who loves the snow. So I opened up the door to let them out for their walks, and Kiko didn't realize it was snowing and ran right out and then stopped about eight feet into the meadow, shocked, started shaking, started looking around, help me, help me, help me. Kiko hates being picked up, hates it. I come over. Kiko wants to be picked up. (laughs) (laughs) I got to pick up Kiko and cuddle and like never before, it was so nice uh because not doing the snow. So I carried him over to an area with no snow and he had his bathroom break while his brother there, the standard poodle, went romping and frolicking and rolling and jumping for joy. But uh, there was one other dog and you wouldn't think. I mean, he was so scared of it came out and I had to put him on leash, which usually doesn't happen because he just wouldn't come. So scared of the snow. And he's a pit bull. I mean, come on, man. You're an embarrassment to your entire (laughs) breed. Get over it. The first day he just looked at me, he was like, I'm not going out there. I'm not going out there. Like, but you have to, you're a big dog. You need exercise. Oh, I'm not going out there. Day three, he likes it sort of a little bit. That's good. But the first 10 strides or so he lifts his paws like he's stepping on hot sand like he just like it's just disgusting like he's just icked out he just grossed out he just shakes his paws he's like what is this what is this What is it and after about 10 paces he starts to get playful and I was even able to get him to fetch snowballs a little bit so he's warming up to the idea. All the other dogs at the kennel think it's fantastic, right? Like they do. Snow is just fantastic. It makes wrestling and running and everything a really solid workout, but um, very soft uh, landings. So (laughs) yeah, it's fun. And dogs do snow angels. My golden retriever, if you want to see it, go on Camp Good Dog Facebook And you'll see Penny doing snow angel after snow angel because that's all she does. As soon as it snows, she lies down and just starts. And for the entire 30, 40-minute walk, she'll just keep doing snow angel. She's so happy. So check that out. You can check out Camp Good Dog Facebook this week for random dogs playing in snow. All right, so let's go back to Brenda and talk more about the, the dogs at the groomer. So they come and they do visits, and they get pets, and they get cookies, and they get used to the place, and you pet them at home. And then the day of, is it better to exercise before or not? Yes,
2: yes, oh, for is. sure. And when, especially, and if they're a real nervous little dog, and you, it's better not to feed them too, because it, sometimes it will make them more their tummy upset just the stress. And then if if they're not feeling well, then it's going to even make it even worse for them. So I recommend not feeding them their breakfast in the morning. If they have a tendency to get like an upset tummy, or if they're just a high, high anxiety dog, maybe a little treat, but not a big meal. That helps them too with not coming in. And then they don't have accidents too. I mean, quite often when dogs are really stressed, they will get, if it's super, super stressed, they'll, they'll pee or they'll have exploding diarrhea from stress. So if you don't feed them, it's not it's not aggravating that situation is what we recommend quite often when they're super stressed until they get used to it. Okay, that's quite the phrase, exploding
1: diarrhea. That's very, <laughs> yeah, I'm me. sitting here imagining, <laughs> okay, I'm supposed to get this dog clean and smelling good and it has exploding diarrhea. Like, how do you even do that? How do you get him home smelling sweet and flowery with a bandana if he's pooping at one end? Yeah, it's hard.
2: It's hard <laughs> sometimes. As we've had them, where we had to, we haven't been able to finish because yeah. they're just too stressed, and and so that's when I have. Then I set up a, a regiment where they come in, and I get you know bring them in, just positive, positive, positive. So this places because when they come in, if they're already stressed, just walking in the door, everything on top of it is. Over the top, right? So they're not even gonna. You, no matter what you do, when they're that in that zone, you can't get them to calm and understand that this isn't going to hurt them. So if you can start out with them being in a positive mindset, then it's all you can you can work with that.
1: I know a lot of owners are afraid of certain procedures, like they don't want to clip nails or they don't want to clean ears. So they do need professional grooming. But I'm wondering if a transition thing might be. Like if I, had, if I was a regular owner like that and I didn't want to groom, I want to get my dog to the groomer, but my dog's afraid, maybe I should take it to one of those groom your own dog places just to get it used to being bathed by me in a public place Like, and then bathed by you in a public place. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You think
2: that would help? It probably would. It probably would help because it's in a different setting, right? It's not in their home setting. So that's a huge thing. So they're not they're out of their comfort zone, but they've got you with them. And the and then they're in a place where people are watching and there's different different things, people talking, people selling stuff, other dogs walking through. Those are all really important things that they have to get used to in, in a grooming situation. So if they're doing it for the first couple of times with their people, then they, it's make it a little easier coming into a grooming shop. Absolutely.
1: Okay. And if there's something else that sets your dog off. Like say he's afraid of the car. You don't want to pick a groomer that's the other side of town. Like be sensible, no, exactly. right? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Trying and and those kind of I have all those things that need time, right? You need to have patience and and small steps with lots of positive reinforcement will keep he- make it huge for all of that kind of thing.
1: But what about the in between visits? So say people are listening and they have just a normal dog who doesn't mind going to the groomers or maybe doesn't even need it. What does he need from them? You know, say you've got a lab. How often should he be getting a bath? And what about those ears? You know, what are the nails?
2: Yeah, labs tend to get pretty stinky at times.
1: It's a musky sort of an
2: oily smell, isn't it? Well, they have a lot of oils in their coat because they're a water breed, right? So that oils build up bacteria. And so that's why they start getting stinky. If they get wet and not dried properly and so on and so forth, it builds bacteria on their coat. And they're always wanting to be wet. so. They can build up a fungus on their coat as well as in their ears. So you've got to really keep on top of those things. Make sure that they're bathed on a regular basis to keep the smell away and keep bacteria from building. Cleaning the ears is huge with labs, especially. Any of the water breeds, spaniels are really notorious for bad ears and yeasty ears because they've got such a heavy ear that drops down.
1: It's hot in there, inside of a cocker spaniel ear. I've even uh, you know, used hair clips to just pin them up, let them dry, (laughs) because it's really hot in there. You'd be surprised at the temperature inside that cocker spaniel ear. Oh, my gosh, so much insulation, which makes sense if you're going to be swimming in cold water. You need it. But most of them are sitting inside heated houses. They don't really need it. And then they get wet, and that heat...
2: And if it builds a fungus, it builds a yeast infection in the ears. And then if you don't treat that, then it turns into secondary infections. And, and Cocker's are notorious for having really bad ears and having, I've seen so many over the years where they haven't been looked after because people just don't understand and don't know. And they end up well, having
1: their ears canals removed and so on, right? Well, also because they can be nippy. Right? oh yes they can <laughs> that's the thing and you would too if you had an ear infection someone went to oh, try and sure. touch your ear so you get these cocker spaniels where they say oh don't approach from the right side as soon as someone says something like that i'm like "Well, why don't you just get the ear infection dealt with i could uh-huh. smell it from here so okay so the thing about the ears is it's not that hard to maintain and it's not like humans so You know, if you were to clean out your child's ear, you'd be very concerned you might hurt their eardrum. You probably shouldn't be doing it at all. It's not the way it is with pets. With pets, with dogs, the ear canal makes a sharp turn at the end before it gets to the eardrum. So you can clean the ear with the Q-tip or with ear solutions without worrying that you're going to pierce the eardrum. So that's kind of a fear owners always have, and they don't want to stick anything in there, and they're all worried. Meantime, their dog has thick gunky wax buildup it needs to come out or we're going to have a problem so there's a reason there's like whole sections of the store devoted to ear cleaning products pick something that's vet approved and not perfumed and go with that what what do you like to use on the ears
2: i use a drying solution ear cleaning drying solution one that i I purchased it from the vet it's really quite expensive But I find it dries out the ear canal. So if there's, even in the bathing situation, if you get any water in there and it's not dried out properly, it can turn into a yeast situation. So rather than having them leave my shop and getting an ear infection, I've always used this solution. So what I do is after their bath, I clean them really well before the bath and after the bath, then I clean them again with the drying solution so that there's, if there's anything in there, it will dry it out. And I've never had dogs come back with ear infections because I just I make that is really important when you're grooming dogs is you don't get water in the ears excessive water without drying it out.
1: Yeah, and you can dry it out with a towel. Um, you can use yeah. um a baby wipe to clean an ear. I mean, you can get in there with your hands. They they shouldn't be too sensitive. I once nope. had on my show Dr. Carol Osborne, and she gave a recipe for sort of a homemade ear dry solution. And it was one part alcohol, two parts apple cider vinegar. And you make this drop And so after you've cleaned out the ear with whatever ear cleaner and you've wiped it clean and there's no more brown, gray, black gunk coming out and it doesn't stink and it looks just beautiful, then you put a few drops of this solution in there and you're good to go. But that's super important. Okay, so I did tell everybody I'd give some snow tips. So one tip is you got to clean their feet. If you're in a place with a lot of snow, you're going to be in a place with salt and chemicals. And so you don't want your dog licking their feet and then getting sick. So clean that off when they come in. Wipe, hose them off, wipe them off, dry them off, make sure that you're getting the salts and chemicals off their feet and they're not eating it. That's a big tip. Another one is if you've been shaved, like from the groomer, then you know jacket, coat, ski jacket, make sure they're warm. If, if you're wearing a ski jacket and they have no fur coat, then they need it too. So be smart about that and make it short walks, not long walks. Consider the ice Consider the freezing cold on their naked feet. They might need boots or socks, depending on how much experience they have running and walking, how hard their pads are. Most dogs are okay in snow, but if you're in the city and there's lots of chemicals or frozen metal, you might have to really watch where you walk. So if you're taking your dog in the forest or in a field or a dog park and it's snowy, you're probably okay for no boots. But do keep a lookout on their feet. Check them out when you get back. Make sure there's no cracks and no problems because uh, stuff can happen quick. And they do have these balloon-style socks you can buy at the pet store that aren't very expensive. If you do get a crack in the leather pad, you could put one of those on for a week or so for walks only until it heals just to stop you know, further damage and to give it time to heal. But I also noticed... Very expensive, but I also noticed a new product which is supposed to be like natural skin, natural leather that you put right on the pad, and it just becomes the new pad. So I'd love to get some reviews on that if anybody's tried it. Send me an email.
2: Me too. That's cool.
1: Yeah, pretty cool. It's like they use the the same advances they've made in human burn recovery on animal foot pads. It's very ingenious. Totally, totally makes sense. Okay, so Brenda, I guess we're done today. Oh, and make sure. If you've got snow and cold, that your animals have a warm place to sleep because uh, most of them are used to this, at least in this part of the world. So, Brenda, uh, what would you like to say to people before you go, before we leave them, about their dogs and grooming? Just
2: be mindful and make sure that they're done on a regular basis. And if a groomer tells you that it needs to be done back in at a certain time, it's not because they're wanting to make a ton of money. It's because they're wanting to help your dog.
1: Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been great. Okay, everybody. So from Animal Party, Pet Life Radio, Brenda Bell, and me, Dub Wolf, be good to your animals.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.